Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez, joined by Aaron Keller, and we've been promoting people to get outdoors. We did an ice fishing podcast recently, so we thought it would be a good time to talk about ice safety. So here to help us is Kevin Joel and Pete Bryant, both with the Reno Fire Department. Welcome, you guys. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for coming in, guys. So I think I'll start by first, could you kind of explain exactly what you do? I know you are with the uh, water entry team. Yeah, so I'm the, the current team leader for the Reno Fire Department water entry team. Uh, we specialize in both uh, river and uh, flat water rescue, uh, as well as in the wintertime ice rescue. Uh, so I'm an ice rescue technician, uh, as well as an instructor. And uh, we've had uh, several incidents uh, throughout you know the Truckee Meadows area um, over the past uh, several years and, and going back further than that, that where we've had people, uh, you know, go out on the ice for various reasons and fall through and get in a situation where uh, they need assistance. And we've also had a couple of cases where that ended up in a, as a fatality. Wow. And then Pete, you've witnessed this too over the years because you used to be on the team. and Yeah. So my job <coughs> right now, I'm a fire captain on on the fire engine and so we're one of the first responding resources to these types of incidents i also used to be on the water entry team so i do have experience with that portion of it also but now um i'm on the engine that that responds first so we get there on scene and call these guys and they come and assist as necessary it sounds like it's something you almost can't stress enough to people you could talk about it all you want but it seems like year after year you talking to you guys you still see it happen where people fall through the ice yeah it's, it's something that we continually try to reinforce um you know the the tagline is stay off the ice mm-hmm. i mean if if you don't want to fall through the ice and potentially die the easiest way to prevent that is to not venture out on the ice um the ice, particularly in the Truckee Meadows, uh, we don't get the deep freezes that uh, far eastern or northern Nevada sees. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we get more of the freeze-thaw cycles, um, ice that may be strong one day, uh, the next day may not be. You know, we we may only have a high of, you know, 30 one day, but then, the, you know, tomorrow it might be 50. Right. Um, and those kind of temperature fluctuations just don't result in strong clear ice forming uh that you know you you see videos of people ice skating on canals and right. lakes, you know uh, in the midwest and stuff and and we just don't get that here um so the uh in generally the ice in the Truckee meadows area is is relatively unsafe i mean that's a that's a fairly general statement but uh um, that that would be correct uh other areas of nevada do get uh strong ice uh you know and if you're uh, up at like Wild Horse Reservoir um, and doing ice fishing or something, that's that's a reasonably safe activity, understanding that you're still going out on the ice and there is potential, um, and you need to be aware of the risks and be prepared, but, um, you know, it would be a safer activity than perhaps ice fishing at a lake or a pond, you know, in the general Reno area. Right, and even when we post, like we posted that uh, ice fishing podcast, people were saying like, well, what are the ice conditions? And 
we were getting report reports back from four inches to eight inches to all over the place. And they were all talking about wild horse, the same place, but the thickness of ice depending on where you went at the lake was different. Sure. So. And that's, um, so, uh, in general, two inches is safe to walk on. Um, but that's, con that's considering you're a single person. The weight is not concentrated in one area over a period of time. So if you're, you know, just walking across some ice, uh, two inches should support your weight. Uh, if you're going to be ice fishing, uh, four inches is the recommended minimum thickness of the ice. Uh, and uh, thicker than that, you know, eight inches, you can drive a car across 12 inches. You can drive a truck across, um, you know, we may see those kind of conditions uh, in northern Nevada, but um, and I mean far northern Nevada, but uh, um, you know in general we're probably more in the four to six range in most of the reservoirs. Uh, the uh, that's assuming that it's clear lake ice. Uh, it hasn't had like freeze thaw cycles. You know you don't have the appearance of like icebergs that then refroze. Right. Um, you don't you haven't had like snow that fell on it and then that layer melted and then refroze. Um, so if it's, if you can look through it and you see like clear ice and it may be hard to judge the thickness without actually drilling a hole and measuring, but, um, you know, if, if you can look through it and it's clear and it's, it's an obvious thing when you are familiar with right. it, you're out on it. And, um, uh, but if you see, you know, lots of bubbles or, um, kind of a rough surface where like the snow melted, um, if you see lots of cracks where it pr potentially broke apart and refroze, um, any of those conditions weaken the ice significantly. So those those measurements, the thickness measurements that I gave you of kind of the safety thresholds um, are, are out the window. You know, it needs to be thicker than four inches to ice fish. Um, but, uh, um, you know, in general, yeah, you know, four inches will support your weight and you and your buddies sitting around a, a hole right. um, fishing on the ice. Uh, we would still recommend uh, that you uh, take some basic safety precautions uh, i think obviously the first one is let someone know where you're going and don't don't be alone uh so whether there's somebody on shore or somebody back at home that knows you're at this specific reservoir and you're going to be home at a certain time um, so that if you don't show up that you know perhaps they can narrow their search uh um, area initially um, and also you know be out there with a buddy uh, so if you fall in there's somebody to help you out um, of things to have with you. Um, I think the, the number one thing that I would recommend is a set of ice picks and keep them in like a secure pocket on your clothing that's easily accessible so that if you happen to fall through the ice, they don't like fall off, um, that you can, you can go ahead and reach them. And uh, so an ice pick is uh, basically it's a small uh, plastic uh, tube with a spring-loaded metal pick in the end. And so uh, when you you grab it in your in your fist, and as you're trying, if you end up in the ice, you're trying to get out. You use the ice pick. You kind of you know, as you hit hit the ice, the metal pick engages, right. and it gives you traction, so you can try to pull yourself out. Because without that, you basically have nothing to grab onto. The water uh, spills out from the hole over the ice around you, and it becomes extremely slick. And so there's just there's no nothing to kind of help you out. Um, so carry a set of ice picks. Um, if you don't want to spend $30 and buy a commercial uh, device, uh, you can make your make a set with you know a wooden dowel and and uh, a screw or a nail. Right. Um, there's ways of doing that. Um, yeah, and on the on the ice picks, I was just going to add that that's the importance of those ice picks is pretty huge because 
in a lot of the areas where people are ice fishing, it's pretty remote, and the chance of first responders getting there in time is rather slim. I mean, we're lucky here in the major metropolitan areas to have a good response network, but if you're at Wild Horse and you fall through the ice, it's going to be a while. And having those ice picks, and you, to be able to focus on self-rescue is going to be the primary thing That's that people really can do. Absolutely. It's really making sure that you know, those ice picks, are, they're inexpensive <coughs> or free if you want to make them yourself and kind of figure out how to use them. But that could really save your life because we may not be able to get to some of these places in a timely manner. Something as small as a ice pick yeah, could have that big of an impact. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and the response time is huge because, like, I mean, we may be able to respond within, you know, five or ten minutes within this, the metro area here. But oh, I couldn't imagine at Wild Horse, it might be one or two hours yeah. to get first responders there. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, I mean, being self-sufficient to be out in the remote areas is, is super important. Um, besides the ice pick, uh, like a small throw bag or rope um, would be really important. Uh, that's mainly for... You know, for your buddy, you know, if you fall through, the buddy needs to get away from where the ice just broke. Try to find more solid ground or or more solid ice uh, still within range of that rope and throw the rope to you um, and then try to pull you out from from there. Um, So say you're walking out with your buddy. What's a pretty good like distance to stay apart from each other? Right. Because you don't want to walk together because that's twice as heavy. Yeah, it would really depend on kind of the thickness of the ice and the conditions. Um, You know, if it, if you were, if you thought it was really strong ice, there would be no problem walking together. Um, If you're not sure, um, I, I would, I'm just going to throw a ballpark number out there of like, you know, staying 10 to 20 feet apart. Right. You showed us that intense video before we started and a kid was out there who had fell through the ice and then it was like one person went to try and throw a rope, got a little close to them. And then another person came to help that person and everyone was just falling through the ice. So it ends up being a bigger disaster. Yeah. So, and I would say like, you know, the people that, that uh, are doing ice fishing, they have potential for being, you, you could say the first responder to an incident For because sure. they're out they're out on the ice uh i think the most important thing to keep in mind that if someone goes through the ice that is the number one indicator of weak ice mm-hmm. right because <laughs> right. it right. just happened yeah. um and w- there's plenty of videos on youtube you know if you search for you know ice rescues gone bad or something you, yep. can, you can see all sorts of cases where uh the initial responders whether they be uh bystanders or even in some cases law enforcement or fire that showed up and they start to go out on the ice, you know, near where the person fell through in order to rescue them. And uh, the ice gives way and, and they end up in the water. Right. So from our perspective on the fire department, you know, w- the first do no harm, right? You know, we don't want to contribute victims to the incident. You know, we're there to solve the problem. Um, so that's why we train everyone, um, you know, whether they're on the water entry team or not to understand what it's like to, you know, be in the duck suit and and be in those conditions um and and we reinforce pretty much of just you know if you're not in the duck suit and you're not tethered you know don't go out on the ice because um, we don't want to end up contributing victims to the situation um so you know if somebody's out you know at, at a remote reservoir and and you know they hear or see somebody that goes through the ice you know they may you know be that person's best chance of survival and that would be my advice to them is is approach cautiously because you know the there's that's a good indicator of weak ice right um so avoid congregating people around the edge of of the hole where that person went in um you know just trying to remember to to uh, spread out um if the ice is is that weak consider lying down and rolling 
you know, it's obviously when you're standing up, your your weight is concentrated in a smaller area. When you, uh, you know, either crawl on all fours, you know, now that's kind of divided in half, you could say. Right. Uh, and then if you lie down, it's spread out even more over the, the surface area of the ice. So the chances of, of breaking through are less. You know, the ro that's where the rope, you know, having, if you have like a little rope bag that you tether on your belt or, uh, you know, have a, some kind of little uh, fanny pack. Um, you know that you keep that on you right then it's it's going to be available to you know throw to a victim if uh, that situation arises because this stuff is going to happen fast yeah when you we were watching that video i mean it was seconds mm -hmm. and those guys were all falling through the ice and chaos and say say someone does end up falling through the ice do you have any advice for them once they're in the water yeah so um there is actually what's referred to as the 1101 rule um, and this was actually developed through a scientist that studies cold water immersion. Um, and it, so what it refers to is that uh, the first one is you have, you have one minute to control your breathing. So when, you, when a person falls into ice cold water, uh, they, there's what's referred to as a dive reflex. And so your, uh, your, um, uh, your body reacts to being in the cold water. It kind of it wants to shut off your... Uh, your airway uh, right. so that you don't in inhale water. Um, so the number one thing that you need to do, first of all, is control your breathing. Um, because uh, if, you're, if you're trying to breathe fast and feel like you're, you're not breathing, um, that develops panic, right? And you need to be able to remain calm and, and think clearly. Um, so you go in the water, control your breathing. You've got one minute to do that to increase your chance of survival. Uh, then you have 10 minutes of purposeful muscle movement. Um, and this is before hypothermia starts to set in. So the f one of the first uh, symptoms of hypothermia is uh, muscle rigidity, right? So you're not going to be able to grasp things with your hands. You may not be, you're not going to be able to move your arms enough to swim or keep you afloat. Uh, so that first minute you go in, you got one minute to control your breathing. Then you've got 10 minutes to effect a self-rescue, right? That your muscles mm -hmm. are going to be working well enough to either get yourself out or uh, if you can't get out to at least get yourself propped up on the ice shelf in a position where you're not going to uh, slide under the water right. when you no longer have muscle movement. So if by the end of that 10 minutes you've been able to at least secure yourself, uh, you know, uh, kind of prop yourself up on the shelf and, and and try to just hold in position until somebody can come along from outside the, the uh, hole in the ice to rescue you. Um, then you've got one hour uh, before you're going to lose consciousness from hypothermia. Okay. Um, so the, the only way that that one hour is going to work, though, is if you've already at least secured yourself. If you're still trying to swim at the end of 10 minutes, you're probably not going to have the muscle movement to swim anymore, yeah. and you're going to sink under the, up. the water. That's where those picks come in. Exactly. You use those picks to pull yourself at least partially out. Some really, ice. really good information. I hate to cut you guys off, but we are out of time for the first half of the show, but we'll get into this right after this, this break. You're listening to Nevada Wild. If you're getting gone, I'm gonna put my boots and my hat back on Cause I'm long gone to sketch you on Long gone to sketch you on if you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back to Nevada Wild. We are here with Kevin Joel and Pete Bryant from the Reno Fire Department talking about how to safely be out on the ice. So right before the break, we were talking about what you guys call the 110-1. Let's finish talking about self-rescue. Sure. It. Yeah, so the, the 110 rule was uh, you have one minute to control your breathing, 10 minutes of purposeful muscle movement uh, when you're in the water before you become hypothermic. And uh, assuming that you can get yourself up onto the ice shelf, uh, you're going to have one hour of, uh, of time before you become unconscious uh, from hypothermia. Uh, if you are unable to get yourself up onto that ice shelf during that 10 minutes, uh, the one hour is kind of a mute point because you're probably going to drown. Um, so uh, that's, um, that's kind of a just key thing to keep in the back of your mind, uh, you know, if you're going to be out in those environments where you are at risk of falling through the ice, uh, you know, or at least a higher risk than right. driving right. down the road. Yeah. Um, so uh, the self-rescue. So we were talking about uh, the break uh, on our break uh, about, like, the ice picks and stuff, and, and you brought up a really good, uh, good point, Ashley, about, uh, like, a pocket knife would work uh, – you know, uh, in a pinch, and sure, yeah. If you have a pocket knife, a Leatherman, you know, anything like that, you know, pull out one of the car short, even car keys, car keys, car keys, keys would work. Um, um, you know, I mean, this is this is if you end up in the ice alone in you know a remote reservoir, this is a life and death situation, right, uh, for you. So you've got to improvise and overcome. Yeah. So if you have anything that you can use to get traction on the ice to help you get out, um, that is going to be very important during that ten minutes while you still ha have you know, function of your muscles. Um, it could be anything like even like a pair of needle nose, right? If we're out sure. fishing. Oh, absolutely. Have those yeah. Handy. Oh yeah. Your pliers. Yeah. yeah. So get those kind of, um, so it's anything that you can grab in your hand that is going to have like a, a, a small metal point on it that right. can dig into the ice that'll give you traction. And so, uh, you know, we talked about earlier, like, you know, if, if you've gone through the ice, that's your number one indicator that there's weak ice. Right. So understand that, you know, you may try to get yourself out and you may be like, oh, you know, just getting yourself out and then the ice breaks again. And yeah. you may have to repeat this process two or three or four times before you get to potentially some ice that's going to support your weight. And at that point, uh, you're going to want to like start rolling and just try to get yourself away from the ice that broke. Um, and then obviously try to get to shore or safe areas as soon as possible. It stresses me out just thinking about being in that situation. <laughs> it's so scary. Yes, and it's, yeah. it's not something that most people are going to experience in their life. So, that, you know, if, if you're out there having a great day and, and suddenly you end up in the water, um, it's probably going to be a shock to most people. It's going to be a situation that they haven't experienced, uh, conditions they haven't experienced before. Um, and so, you know, uh, keeping a calm mind is super important and, and then, you know, just have knowing in the back of the, even the back of your mind and the, you know, the toolbox from 20 years ago that like, Oh yeah, I remember hearing one time about like how to get myself out, um, you know, pulling that out and, and start trying to do that, you know, as quick as you can. I think um, uh, having, having a plan as, as part of, I think talking about this stuff, we're talking about it now. We obviously do this for a living, but for, the average person that's going out ice fishing with his buddies is when you start heading out, talk with your friends and have a plan. Hey, what if someone goes in the ice? What are we going to do? And, oh, well, I have these ice picks in the bottom of my toolbox. I don't know what they're for. Well, and, and talking with the people you're going with and coming up with ideas and, oh, well, we heard this podcast and you can do this, this and this and the one ten one. And so just sharing the information with, with your friends that you're going out there with and having a plan 
of it what to do when something goes bad. There. Exactly. Yeah, you're planning all your, um, you know, bringing all your fishing supplies. Why not plan to bring the ice picks? It's one less. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only one small item that. I mean, could yep. potentially save your life. Yeah. And we oh. talk about the self-rescue, but one of the main things you said, um, one of the pieces of advice you gave was to go, don't go alone. Sure. That's probably yeah, that's a good place to start. Go out with friends. Yeah, that's that's yeah. probably, I'd, I'd say, one of the highest priorities yeah. in uh, contributing to having it not turn into a, a fatal incident. Exactly. So I kind of want to take a step back then. So what would you recommend for somebody like to test how, so you show up to the reservoir or the lake, looks pretty good, frozen, right? Really cold out. How do you, what would you recommend? How does somebody get started getting out on the ice or testing it, I guess? Um, I, I'd say first off is just, you know, your ob- observations um, and knowing what has the weather been in that area over the last week or two weeks. Right. Um, you know, if there's been some major uh, warm cycles or, or uh, thaw cycles, um, you know, know that that may weaken the ice. Um, if it's been consistently, you know, the high has been under 30, um, you're probably going to have pretty good ice. You know, right. that's, that should be your first indicator is kind of knowing what the weather's been. Um, when you get to the lake, you're looking and, you know, is the ice flat, clear, you know, it just, it looks solid. Uh, you know, that's an indicator of strong ice. If you see, you know, little icebergs that have moved around and then refroze. If you see, you know, a layer of snow on top, um, if you see lots and lots of bubbles or cracks in the ice, uh, that all contributes to weaker ice. Um, so that's kind of your first indicator is, you know, what you know going in, what you see when you get there. Um, you go out on the on the, the lake. Uh, it's probably a good idea to maybe not drill your first hole together uh, right. with your buddy. You know, maybe have your buddies stand back a little bit while you go explore like hey we're going to go go to the spot drill the test hole um you know but th- th- realistically the only way to measure the thickness is to drill a hole right um I, there's i mean you can visually kind of look and guess and, and you you know if you're used to this you'd probably get fairly close but um but it's sometimes deceiving a uh, little optical illusion of you know trying to look through and see how th- you know see think how thick it is right because normally when it's this cold out in midwinter nevada there's snow right so you can't even see the ice so then what uh clear the snow obviously first um you know in in an area try to you know see uh you know what the ice looks like um just understand that that ice is going to be a little bit weaker when it has snow on top of it uh you know so maybe instead of four inches as we would say you know is safe for clear ice to be fishing on Mm -hmm. uh you know maybe go five and i'm pulling that number you know out of a hat but just understand that like Four inches assumes clear ice. Snow indicates weaker ice. So maybe it needs to be a little thicker. Right, because snow's an insulator, so it's going to kind of trap some of that. Yeah, and you're, you're going to end up with some of the, the – as the snow melts, it's going to create a little water layer that's going to refreeze, melt, you know, refreeze, et cetera. Um, and, and it just – it doesn't – it's not as thick as when lake ice forms without snow being present. Right. We should also talk about with uh, the self-rescue we were talking about. Mm-hmm. So one of the key points with self-rescue is you've got to get your legs. You end up in the in through the ice in the water. You've got to get your legs up behind you. Um, so if you're trying to get out of a hole in the ice as if you would get out of a swimming pool by, like, grabbing onto the edge and lifting yourself up and then over on top of the ice, uh, 
you're probably not going to be successful in getting out. Right, because the um, ice is weak and you're just going to be keeping exactly. And that's probably going to be most more people's more. instinct, so too, to do if, that. If you can kind of get your legs up behind you and literally up under the ice behind you, you know, when you kind of kick them up until you feel like your heels hitting the, the bottom of the ice and the water, um, and then try to... Uh, I mean, just I I don't I would know say you how else want to swim. I, the, the easiest thing I can think of is you want to s- essentially swim up onto the ice. Um, yeah. You don't want to like we're talking about doing kind of a pushing mechanism like we do out of a pool. You want to be flat on the top of the water and kicking your legs and essentially swim yourself up and out. Yeah, you want to you want to shamu yourself. Exactly. Up. That, that, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Just think of those little seals. They just yeah. kind of. Swim yeah. up and pop up, and that's what you want to do. Same thing if a guy's pulling, if you're holding onto a rope, and someone from shore or your friend is pulling on the rope to rescue you. Uh, if you're vertical in the water, it's going to be very, very difficult. But if you can get yourself horizontal, be on the top of the water, and be in a swimming position, kicking your legs, they can just pull you right up onto right. that ice shelf and into safety. That's and then really rolling good and rolling and rolling and rolling as far as you can. Yeah. Once you're on the ice, yeah. Yep. Yeah. spread out that weight, spread your weight out and roll yourself all the way in. Are there trainings people can take, like just the general public or even just going online to watch videos? You know, there's there's some great videos on YouTube from various sources. Um, you know, kind of take everything you find on the Internet with a grain of salt. That's so, very you know, true. watch two or three <laughs> yeah. and kind yeah. of yeah. pile Maybe them. look at but this. Any that are, well, any that are endorsed by that are made by fire departments or by water rescue agencies or government agencies seem to be the most reliable. Um, right. Maybe course, we'll, maybe know. we'll cherry pick a couple and we'll put some links yeah. in our sure. description. Yeah. We can, and we can look at those uh, on our social or recommend media. one. Um, yeah. As far as classes, um, there's none in this general area that I know of outside of uh, there is a company in Truckee that, that puts on the ice rescue technician course. Right. Um, so that's a little intensive for the, know, general the general public, public yeah, yeah, yeah. Of willingness to go through a three-day course on how to do ice rescue, but um, I, I, that is an option available. Yeah, you could say, um, and just I mean, just researching ahead of time, maybe watching some of those government-endorsed videos. Um, you can't prepare enough. I feel like you talk, and, and of course, talking to the locals when you get the fishing reports and people that have been out there that have known that particular body of water. You know, part of uh, what you guys are, are doing is trying to get more people out into the outdoors and out into trying these different activities this is one that has some more danger potentially and and to go with someone that has been out there numerous times and knows the ice on that particular body of water uh, that can maybe teach you or or mentor you a little bit would be probably the safest route to go rather than just hey let's go try this and exactly yeah local knowledge local knowledge exactly i mean like a local fly shop or something if you're headed out or Mm -hmm bait and tackle shop or even call department of wildlife or the local fire department maybe they can give you a heads up like they I mean, we are all local so we talk to each other so and you can view our fishing reports joe Doucette puts together ours and he puts a lot of good ice fishing information yeah. ice fishing information this time of year so you could go to endow.org and hit fish and uh we have our fishing reports there so yeah. we're pretty much out of time, you guys. That okay. went really <laughs> fast. I feel like there's so much information. We could go on and on. There's, yeah. a, lot of, there's a lot of information, you know, it's, it's, and it's pertinent, too. So We want people to get out, have fun, but it is important that they're doing their research. Yeah, so take a little bit of time and yeah. plan ahead.
Join us again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.